You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to the Too Many Men podcast. I'm Sarah Sivian from The Athletic, and along with my colleague Shana Goldman and Allison Lucan of the Seattle Kraken, we're here to talk about all levels of hockey and honestly just break down what's on our minds about pretty much anything. We also try to smile more, and Allison wants me to come up with some sort of transition that's wittier than come along for the ride, but come along for the ride. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Too Many Men podcast. My name is Allison Lucan. I'm a writer and on-air analyst for the Seattle Kraken. And as always, I am thrilled to be joined by the traveling, the witty, as you've heard, creative and bilingual tweeter due to her friends, Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. I'm in my hometown of Boston as the Hurricanes take on the Bruins. And I do a world tour every time I come back because there's a lot of friends and family to see. Fantastic. And we are joined. This is a big day, friends. We have gotten this individual out of bed, committed to early arrival to discuss the important hockey news, which shows how dedicated, brilliant and team oriented she is. It is The Athletics, Shana Goldman. Shana, say hi. Hi. You had to pump my tires if you're getting me out of bed like this. <laughs> we made her do an ice bath. <laughs> it's, it's not the best, a lie. That's the best thing to like soak your face in cold water. Like it, you I, need to be up for a minute, but you, you can't do it immediately. I think I would just like die on the spot and there's my day. It's over. But <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I would literally like pay someone rather than get in an ice bath. I cannot. No, I face, face ice bath. I can't <laughs> do it. The full body is not happening. I used to have to turn the shower cold. I turned the sink cold. No, 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 not happening. All right, friends, we are here. Um, we are so thrilled to be part of the Lebetard Network and Meadowlark Media. Um, and we're coming to you on the regular with hockey updates, particularly for the playoffs. But we've got to talk about some other stuff first. And first off, we have a new segment because the content demands it. And this is something <laughs> that just took over our group chat um, among the three of us. Sarah, I don't know how to explain this. So I'm going to have you outline the topic of discussion. We're calling this segment Off the Cuff, and this has to do with a social media post by Drake. Walk us through it. I was scrolling through Instagram yesterday, and then Austin Matthews' Snapchat pops up. First of all, is it 2016? And he looks like he's sending a you. I'm like, it's a jump scare. He's looking like he's in bed and it says night. And then I see who posts it and it's Drake, Champagne Poppy himself. He's like, good night, Tampa. Mind you, the Drake curse. Drake has rooted for teams and they've lost in very sad fashion before. I think the Raptors reversed that curse. But um, he said, good night, Tampa, after game five. You can't do that, buddy, if there's one thing about the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I was so, I have so many questions. First of all, where did Drake acquire that Snapchat? We're, we're going to show you guys. But it did Austin send that to Drake? And was that recent? Was that last night? Like, good night. I'll see you tomorrow for game six. What do you guys think? I, I, I again, I need to know why the photo was taken for whom was the photo taken 
how does the photo get into Drake's ownership? Like, like we're borderline like Kim Kardashian video here. Like, and then why is Drake posting it? Like that none of the genres or intentions of any of those items seem to match up. And I'm very confused. And I'm, I can't even believe we haven't gotten answers about this. Austin didn't repost it. And I feel like when Drake posts about you, you should repost it. So I think that's a bad sign. <laughs> is he is he posting for the playoffs at all? Some players do have that, you know, and with the Leafs, any distraction. But see, this is what I love about it. You know, don't, don't bring in your logic here. Yeah. We want the drama. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Leafs just aren't mentally strong enough to handle social media in the playoffs. <laughs> Who's to say? Here's the thing that's really exciting. I get to write about the Leafs tonight, win, lose, whatever. I'm writing about the Leafs tonight for Sportsnet. And now I have a headline. How did Drake affect the Toronto Maple Leafs? <laughs> and I'm going to pitch this to my editor and be like, this is what, instead of analyzing the Maple Leafs, I just wanted to be, I'm, I'm working that in somehow. I've worked Taylor Swift lyrics into my stuff now, thanks to your help originally, Allison, and then Dom asking me to do it. Now we're talking about Drake. Who knew? Who knew? This is a whole new world for me. Shana, if that is your headline, if that is your headline, I will pay you $1,000. I will, I literally will email my editor right now and say, can this be the headline? (laughs) If not, it can be like the subhead or the first line of the story. Either one. I feel like I will get the green light for at least the first line of the story, but I would like it to be the headline as well. And and here's the thing. Okay. I have another question. Here's my other thing. How is, how are more people not asking these questions? I feel like the post went viral, but no one's like, why in the world is this a picture that Drake is posting? <laughs> because like, no can't... logic, no logic, just vibes. Yeah. <laughs> no logic, just vibes. Perfect. All right. So friends, listeners, if you know any more intel, we need the answers. We need the answers on the Drake and Austin social media post. All right. That takes us to our bit O news, Sarah Sivian's favorite segment in the world. Sponsored and... by Sarah Sivian. <laughs> We need like civvy bit of news is what we should call it going forward. For those who might be confused about that bit, the bit of the bit of news, um, this was a segment that shape that Allison introduced and I didn't think it was going to stick, but because all we do is talk about what we were going to talk about, but now we just call it a segment. But I love that. So it's our segment. We invented behind it. The bit of news, it's not even bit up news, like we're leprechauns, but that's the segment. Shana, there's been some news in the women's hockey universe. Talk us through some of the headlines. So we got two big headlines here with the PHF. First is Michaela Grant-Mantis signing um, a contract with the with Buffalo. She was with Toronto last season, and she is absolutely incredible. If you don't know anything about her game, go watch clips. She is so talented and it's the most significant contract it's a hundred thousand in canadian dollars and eighty thousand in u.s so that's fantastic because if anybody needs the help it is buffalo and you know this is a nice sign for them if they can get such a big signing what their you know their off season might look like and the other news is the hiring of casey bellamy with the phf as well uh casey was with team usa for a while you know she's you know known for that she played in the cwhl with the Calgary Inferno and she played in the PWHPA so this is pretty significant that she is going to be with the PHF and she's going to work in a scout and player relations for the league so I think that's something that's you know super exciting she was a great player and I'm excited to see what she can do post-career too you know we're talking a lot about 
the national players and where they're going to fall after their careers, whether it's in the NHL management roles, but it's nice to see that there's these high up roles in women's leagues we're starting to see. And yes, it's going to be two leagues, but more jobs for everyone. We like, we like to see the women thrive. We like to see the women thrive. Speaking of women thriving, women thriving, (laughs) Sarah Sivian not only covered the most important news of the Canes Boston series to date, which is Rod Brindamore's tie, but the question made the MSG network. Sarah, talk us through this massive piece of investigative journalism. Here's the thing that I think I didn't understand or was scared of when I started being a tie journalist, not just being a journalist, is you can literally ask whatever you want. And I mean, within reason, and you got to obviously have discernment. But if you think the questions around you are boring, they probably are. You're getting the same answers. It's okay to switch it up and ask, like, it was a 5-1 win and nobody was smiling and Rod is wearing this ridiculous tie. And I'm it like, not what else about the tie? It was not ridiculous. It's, it's huge. Silk, a huge it's tie. A it's sun, on like Rod. <laughs> it's Paisley. It was nice. And it was red to match the cane. Do we not like Paisley anymore? Like, I don't think I Allison Paisley. liked the tie. <laughs> it was just a lot. And it didn't vibe with my, imp- my impression of what Rod Brindamore is all about. It was just a lot. Like if I came out and was wearing like neon green head to toe and like platform heels and had like fringe, like pom-pom ponytails, you would say, Allison, what the fuck? This is all I'm saying. <laughs> this is all I'm well, saying. Guess what? Know. Rod said there's three more ties just like that where that came from. So I'm excited to see the rest of them and I will I like be them. on the case. <laughs> Excellent. So again, I do like that. It is important to have, I mean, my gosh, you guys, we cover sports. Like we should just have some fun with it sometimes. No, no fun allowed. You're not. (laughs) She really does cover the Leafs now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to cheer tonight for the Leafs. I'm going to cheer about their win. I'm going to really, really embrace the media role and cheer for them. I I can, I can tell. It's just, you've got the passion, Shana. I have the passion. passion. I have the passion. Drake's going to drop a new song called The Passion. Oh, God. It's going to happen. Watch. If they win, if they win around after like, what is it, 8,000 years, if they finally win around, like there's going to be a song and he'll be like standing on top of the the needle and like, (laughs) oh my God, the CN Tower or whatever. It's it's wild too, because like if they, if they win around and they can play either Florida or Washington, I think we're in for a good series. And I think it's a little bit different. Like we know what a Tampa Florida series looks like. We know that that could be like a quality matchup and we've seen Tampa against the Caps and we know that can be a quality matchup, but there's just, it would be nice to see some like spicy matchup, something different, love them, hate them. The Leafs are interesting, whether they're leading and they blow it or they come back or whatever it is, this is an interesting team, but it's just too easy. It's too easy. There's so much like I can't win or lose. I am jumping off the CN tower and logging off Twitter. Yeah, that might be a good idea. So we go from some really positive women's news to our next segment, which we are regretfully always required to have because people just can't stop doing shitty things. And that is our shit list. And we are highlighting the comments on Shayna and crew from The Athletic do a daily recap of the previous day's playoff games. It's excellent. I highly recommend it. It's really good. It's really comprehensive and an entertaining read as well. Um, but Jason C, good old Jason C couldn't help himself in the comments in after some of the best hockey we've been seeing to start talking about how women do not belong in the broadcasting seat 
for hockey and, and was very declarative on the fact that he certainly wasn't sexist or misogynistic. He just knew that women shouldn't be broadcasters. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm a women, I'm a women's broad, I'm a woman doing broadcasting of NHL hockey. So Jason, sorry, but, uh, Sarah, your, your thoughts on Jason C and people of his ilk. Yeah, I think there's layers to this. And when he says it's the disingenuous remarks by men who pretend that they enjoy this, that makes this just as funny as it is frustrating. Like, okay, so you speak for all men when you say they're all lying about enjoying this. I don't think they speak for your employer. And I don't, where's the money? Because they aren't, you aren't doing this for free. So I think you're actually talented at this. I just think that Here's the thing. Okay. It's hard to express exactly how I feel about this, but when one singular women's broadcaster does something that maybe people don't like, it gives them an excuse to jump on women as a whole. And the way they talk about it is very telling, like shrieks, shrill, your voice. Uh, in the athletic hockey show, the only negative reviews of me are about my voice. And it's me and Haley Salvian, and they just talk about our voices. And that's, we're the two women on the podcast. Like, I don't, there's a reason why we're talking about our voices instead of anything we had to say. And I think that type of language is very targeted towards women in a way that men don't even realize. I don't even think they realize they're being misogynistic. You know what I mean? And then they say, we're not allowed to criticize women. Yes, you are. But I also hate when they say, it's bad for the women in the sport. Like there's more than one woman and we're all different. We have different skill sets and different personalities. And I don't, if I don't want to work for somebody that would look at one woman kind of messing up and I, we can discuss even if we think she's messing up. But I think if you look at her and say, oh, well that's it for women, then I don't want to work for you. <laughs> yeah, Shayna, thoughts? Um, well, so I saw that comment in the morning. And as you know, I'm as happy as they come in the morning. <laughs> um, and I did respond. I was just like, hey, no one asked for your opinion on female commentators because he was like, no one asked for this. And, and then like he apparently had a lot of time. He had a lot of time to argue with people yesterday. And like, if that's what, you, it says more about you than anything else at the end of the day. You know, like it's so many people will be like, oh, I can't stand listening to a woman's voice. Like, and it's such a blanket statement. And it's like, you act like all the men's voices are good. They're not. I can tell you numerous men who either have a shitty voice or shitty thoughts coming out of them. Either way, it's shit. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> like it goes both ways. There are so many shit broadcasters and lackadaisical broadcasters who bring nothing to the table. So if you have to pinpoint one because of their voice, that says more about you. Whether or not there's an actual conversation to be had, it's, it's the blanket statement and the way it's said. There's a way to go about things and be like, you know, whatever, and say it. And it's not even in a politically correct way, just in a way that's not like a fucking asshole. But some people cannot handle that because they have tiny pea-sized brains. And that's fine for them. But like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that you're so miserable that this is how you have to spend your day arguing with people in the comments and getting shit on and then being upset about it and being combative because you had a bad take. But yeah, women should not be grouped together this way. Oh, I don't. And then I don't want to hear a female's voice. Like, yeah. One more thing in closing. I just, 
I think male commentators and broadcasters do get criticized a lot, but the difference is how we're talking about it. We're not saying all men can't be broadcasters anymore. We're not saying this is why X, Y, and Z about an entire population. It's that specific person. So I just want it to be treated with the same energy. A million percent. Could not agree more. All right. Well, let's get to the hockey. <clears throat> it's been happening, people. We have a round one <laughs> vibe check. It is time to go around the league and talk about the games that happened last night and the games that are happening tonight. Uh, things are getting interesting, folks. And let's start with uh, one of the more enter. Well, there was some really entertaining hockey last night. Um, and Shane, I'm going to go to you first. You obviously cover the Rangers. That's been uh, your team that you've analyzed and written about for quite a few years. Take us through the wild ride that was the Penns Rangers game. Rangers come from behind to win the game. Series is at 3-2. Tell us what happened. So the Rangers were facing elimination because they have been outplayed throughout the series. The Penguins have been the better team offensively. They've been better defensively and they have a third goalie in net. While the Rangers are struggling to get to the middle of the ice to generate quality offense and have any sustained pressure, they've been puck watching the defensive breakdowns like we haven't seen in months. And their Vesna winning goalie has zero support. A Vesna caliber goalie. I'm sorry. I just don't know. It's one. fine. It's, it's we, fine. We agree. We agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people want to criticize him, but you look at the support he has and has not had. And has he been perfect? No, but he, you know, hasn't had any help at all. So it was like, it was really interesting. And then you start the game and they take two penalties at once, five on three against. And Chesterkin makes a glove save and it really sets the tone. Uh, Pittsburgh took a two nothing lead and the Rangers managed to, you know, really battle back. Unfortunately, you know, the biggest task was how they were going to, you know, contain Sidney Crosby how could they do it that line's been incredible between him Brian Russ and Jake Gensel and injure him. <laughs> yeah it was injure him it was injure him with an elbow from Jacob Truba which you can have a million opinions on clean or not should it have happened should it have not it's really unfortunate that that's what it took for the Rangers to jump up in this game but they got contributions from lowering their lineup because the top of their lineup hasn't been scoring up to par and it's it's players like Filipito and Alexi Lafreniere making a difference and these are the players you know their kid line that hasn't gotten as much time and opportunity and even when they scored three quick goals, Pittsburgh answered back to tie things up once again. And the Rangers still managed to pull ahead. It was a really exciting game. They're their backs against the wall. I was impressed overall that they came to play as much as they did. And look, even without Sidney Crosby, that top line is still very effective. But this is a much different series now. And it's going to be really unfortunate if... If you want to, if you want to move on, I know everyone will take the easy way out, but if you want to move on, you want to be a legitimate contender in this league, you have to get past the best. And the best in this league is Sidney Crosby, hands down. You're drafting a team, you're putting them top two picks every single day of the week. So it is unfortunate that this is what it came to. Hopefully he's healthy for game six. Hopefully they can legitimately have a good game. And, you know, we could see at least the series went to six because I think ending in five is disappointing. I know we enjoyed the, the you know, the sweep, but. Everything else, I want six or seven games from. I, I want to be entertained at the end of the day. So hopefully, it, it, you know, it makes for a good game six, and we'll see where it goes from there. Sarah, your thoughts? Well, did you guys think the hit was dirty? I, I don't know. I think kind of, yeah. And I think knowing Truba's history, I really like yeah. him off the ice. I love his little dog. I love his little <laughs> comments. Funny. I think he's a, a good guy off the ice, but there's just been a few hits that have been questionable with him. And when it comes to Crosby, it just is so disappointing. And it's um, we have an update from Mike Sullivan this morning has told the media that Crosby is going to be evaluated 
Um, there is no further update at this time. The team is obviously traveling back to Pittsburgh for game six. So we'll wait to see. And what I thought was curious is if you were listening to the broadcasters last night, there was even some question of whether or not it was a lower body the impact or the resulting yeah. injury was lower body versus upper body. People weren't sure if maybe it was a spotter pull, um, but it does seem like something's up um, and you have to hope again, if you want to, if you want to be the best, you should have to beat the best. And, yeah. uh, and, and I mean, can we discuss Jake Gensel? We like he, he's been like, outstanding. He, he's been, that's a player in the regular season is one of the best at getting to the quality areas of the ice. And in this series, he still is, but he also upped his passing game a bit more. So you see Crosby and Rust. Rust has, you know, uh, going into game five was leading the league in scoring chances. You know, he was getting to the slot the most, whether off the rush or off the cycle. And it's players like Gensel passing to him, like maybe a little bit more in the regular than in the regular season. So you have three weapons on that line, but Jake Gensel has been incredible. And, you know, you take Crosby out of it. The line obviously is not at the caliber it could be, but you still have two really good players there. For sure. For sure. Well, this is going to be an interesting series for all the reasons we just talked about. Um, that was one heck of an entertaining game. I, Great. I mean, Shesterkin remains amazing. That save during the five on, th- or was it on during the five on three? Yeah, I gasped. Three. I gasped. My goodness, he is good. Um, well, let's move around the Eastern Conference. Um, Caps Panthers again, just beyond entertaining. Caps go up. This is the second game in a row where they've established a lead. They were unable to put it away the last game because they miss an empty netter at, at, towards the end of regulation, lose it in overtime. They build up a lead in this game. I think everyone was counting the cats out, but those comeback cats <laughs> who I believe are tied for the most comeback wins in the regular season this year with 29 come storming back five unanswered goals. Verhage is on fire, a two, three, five stat line in last night's game in the last two games, a four, three, seven stat line. Absolutely insane. Sarah, what are you seeing in this Panthers team right now? And in this series in general? Yeah, I heard there's a lot of Panthers fans in the Lebetard universe. So, Hey guys, uh, your comeback kitties are showing who they have been in the regular season. And that was a very encouraging win with the five unanswered goals. I, I think they, when it's kind of a young team, they need to establish an identity, especially I was talking to, I think I said this on every single podcast for the past two weeks, but I've been talking to Vincent Trocek a few weeks before the playoffs. And I asked him which first round matchup he would not want to go against. And he immediately said the Capitals, no matter what happened in the regular season, they're battle tested. And that's a team that's built for the playoffs. So it wasn't going to be as easy as everybody might've thought, even if this Panthers team is that good team, we think it is. So that was really encouraging to see them be themselves because it's all about, can you be that good team in the regular season in the playoffs? Now, Shana, let me ask you this. I mean, I think Berhage is an amazing story, but this is this is not necessarily a top line guy for this team. You do get a goal late from Giroux, but is there concern or optimism because your scoring is coming from different places if you're Florida? You're definitely, you definitely have to be encouraged that it's coming from different places. And then, like, I don't want to shortchange Verhage. Like, this is one of the players who, at five and five in the league was one of the best at bringing the puck into the zone with control top five player at that and creating offense and transition. So he's leading that for them. And that's been an issue in this series so far, like the Panthers, we know play this speedy game. We do have some concerns about their play on the back end, but you know, it's so much rush based offense and every game they've been limited to it. And when they let one of those shots through Washington, they pay for it. 
because they don't have the goaltending to stop it. So it's players like Barkov who are, you know, going into game five, weren't generating off the rush like we would expect them to. And players like Anthony Duclair that we expect, you know, Huberto has had some moments. He, he scored, you know, a couple games ago off the rush. So that was something for him too. But, you know, you expect that second line to be clicking. They're all offense all the time. And if they can't score, you know, the one benefit is that you have the first and the third line. And that third line throughout the regular season, it was Marchment, Reinhardt, and um, Lundell, you know, they were broken up one of the games too with Drew going there and they got absolutely caved in shots. And now Marchman, you know, was dealing with an injury. So it's a little bit concerning when you see the lines because, you know, you can put your top defenders against Barkov. You can put your next best pair against Huberto. How do you answer then the third line? You know, and so it, there's so much depth on this team. So it has to be encouraging that they're getting contributions from from everywhere that's what you want but you know you definitely want to see a little bit more from Barkov and you definitely want to see more from Duclair he had you know that's a 30 plus goal scorer this year you want to see it more consistently you want to see Huberto taking over games as everyone says he's MVP caliber so let's see it when it counts um but you know there's there's definite concerns about this team on their back end in net so they need that high high powered offense and I think last night's was probably the most encouraging showing of it so far in the series. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, Florida has the three, two series edge. They're going to head to Washington and see if they can close this out, but they will have home ice advantage, even if they don't get the game six win. Um, I'm not going to lie. The final game last night was a little bit of a letdown to me after the energy of these two games Uh. and the craziness that went down. Um, But it was stars flames uh, flams come back to win, (laughs) go flams. Uh, they come back to win with a very strong third period, which I don't know if it was Calgary pushing or Dallas collapsing. You kind of never know what you're going to get from Dallas. Um, again, the pace of the game, the style of the game was so different, um, compared to those first two games. So it was in our group notes, I said, I am bored. I may go to bed, uh, just because it was so different. Um, and Dallas was deserving to win. If you go to moneypuck.com, they have a deserve to win a meter. And they were holding the edge again until that third period push. Sarah, what was your take on Stars Flames? Flames now in a position to close out the series if they can win one more. Yeah, I hate it here. Take us out of our misery and win the game so we don't have to discuss this anymore. I thought this would be so much more yeehaw. The yeehaw above replacement is tragic. So... I just want this series to be over, Shayna. Yeah, it's like the Flames we all expected to be one of like the most dangerous teams, you know, in the playoffs. They were very good in literally every single regard in the regular season. And then you go against Dallas, and that's legitimately a one-line team with a very good goaltender and a very good number one defenseman, but not much else. And they even split up that top line last night to try to get Robertson, to get Ben and Sagan going a little bit more. And then they put Raffle up with uh, Joe Pavelski and Rupe Hintz. But that third period, like, it was definitely encouraging for the Flames because coming out of game four, that was their best game of the series. Like, the first three games, they were not generating offense. And it wasn't just Jake Ottinger being spectacular, and he has been really great in the series so far. It's that they just weren't generating quality offense. And it, as good as Dallas is defensively, like, it, it, this should be kind of a cakewalk for Calgary, and it hasn't been. So to see that they come out of game four and kind of fall flat in the first two periods of this game, I was like, like, this is a round one series against Dallas. You're going to, if you win this, you're facing LA or Edmonton after this, Ed, you know, LA, the disruptors or Edmonton who has that high octane offense. Like, can you match up? We've seen it in the regular season, but can you match up now? So the third period was definitely encouraging and players like Andrew Mangiapane, I think um, 
I wrote the thing on it last night, so I'm, but I think- Andrew Manjapani, I have to like soldier while you think. Um, I think it was like eight games he was held off the score sheet. So th- these are players, you know, the top line is going to be elite. You need those players to be contributing. And the third line with like Dylan Dubé and Kelly Arncroft was really good. They were controlling play really well. So it was an encouraging third period. They really came out and it felt like when they scored that first goal from Backland, there was time for Dallas to respond and they didn't. So when Manjapani scored that go-ahead goal, it was like, that's the game. That's the game right there because Dallas does not have it in them to score more. I you know, if they can play the pace they did in game three, go off and make the series longer. But I have my doubts. Hey, I'm scoring over here. That's what Manjapani said as he put the puck in the net. I do love him. All right. That is what the action that happened last night. Now let's turn our focus. We have four games tonight. Many opportunities for series to end. Let's start. Sarah, you are on the road. You are in Boston, as you said. The Canes are the team you have covered. You know this group inside and out. Are they able to close out the series tonight on the road and get that fourth win over Boston? This has been one of the weirdest playoff series I've ever covered in my very illustrious like two-year career. I, I think the home ice has never been tilted like this. Like every team wins by five goals when they're at home. So if they can reverse this spooky curse, that's whatever is going on. I mean, just stay out of the box and you win, but it's so simple. It's not easy because when you're playing with an edge, which you have to do to win in the playoffs, you're going to do something stupid or the potential rises up. I have a feeling this game is, this series is going to go to seven games just because it's, why would I think they would win if it, it just has been so brutal on the road. But um, with the Charlie McAvoy stuff, I guess I'll talk about that. He got COVID and then maybe retroactively said when his symptoms started, he could he could come back five days after. So I guess his symptoms started Thursday, but that meant he played Friday. I understand how that could happen, honestly. Math like, is hard, you know. Yeah, yeah. You get a scratch in your throat and you're like, oh, I have allergies. And then you test positive. Like this isn't the conspiracy theory that I think people are trying to make it out to be. And my sense within the hurricanes organization is that they don't, they aren't investigating it because that can ha- that can easily happen to them. So it's one of those things where it, we might be trying to make it a conspiracy theory when really how much, how many of us have had a scratchy throat and then we get tested and it's not COVID and then you get tested again and it is COVID. Shana, what's your take? Who's going to win this game tonight? If you have to pick one. I think it's Carolina. Um, so like the thing is like, it's, it's funny. Like when we talked about it before game five, we looked at the series and we're like, it, it, you forget how it feels like it was so long ago that games one and two happened and Carolina, you know, won as dominantly as they did. And then because Boston played such strong games after that, the thing with Boston is they did put together the perfection line and they have been very dangerous. And if their power plays clicking, which in a couple games of series, it has been after struggling, you know, at points throughout the regular season, you have something going, but they don't create enough when that top line isn't off the ice. Yeah. So you take Pasternak and put it with your top with Marshan and Bergeron. You have this elite combination. I see every single benefit to it, but now Taylor Hall and Eric Halla are not nearly as effective because they don't have David Pasternak there. And Jake DeBrusque who would be scoring with Marshan and Bergeron. You're not going to expect to produce at that level anywhere else in the lineup. So it's such, it's like a double-edged sword. If you go with, you know, that combination and they have good goaltending and they have really strong defense. So there's a lot of pluses to them. And is Tampus Lindholm possibly playing today, right? Was he a maybe for games? Yeah, he's a maybe. Yeah. So that's report in 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's like another 
thing to worry about uh, for Carolina, but I think that if it goes to seven, I would be a little bit more worried about how the series is going to go, but I just feel like this could be such a statement win for Carolina. And mm-hmm. if any team can rise to the occasion, I do feel like it could be them. I could see, you know, we hear after the game that Rod Brindamore made a speech and said it to them, like, let's end the series. Let's win on the road, prove it to ourselves. Not like fuck everybody else. It's about proving it to. Oh, wow. let's go baby. <laughs> yeah. We're running let's through walls. up now. She's awake yeah. now. She is awake. Maybe she's a morning person. No. But no, I just feel like this, you know, I feel like there's such a good opportunity for them. And like you saw last game too, like it could have gone off the rails pretty easily. And, you know, we were talking about channeling that energy the right way into your game and not getting distracted by everything else. And it might be tough in Boston, sure. But I feel like, the, you know, this is a Hurricanes team that's very good up and down their lineup. And they've been supporting their goaltenders and getting some good performances too from them. They're showing you don't need the goalie to steal a game. Like it's going to be really important that they put all that together tonight. And I just, I feel like they can. I, I don't think this is going seven and I'm ready to have egg on my face if I'm wrong. And I'm here for a game seven if we get it because I always like longer series, but I, I don't know. I'm feeling the Canes. What about you? I, I picked the Canes in the series. I'm sticking with that. That is, that is my pick. So oh, great. It, it, in terms of series where I felt more confident in my pick, but now I'm just going to reveal my pick. I, the wild, while I knew the wild were going to be tough, the wild have impressed me with how close this whole series has been uh, wild blues. They take to the ice tonight blues with a chance to close out this series. The blues, the only blue they may have left is in the name and in their logo, because again, the blue line just keeps getting depleted game by game. Sarah, Wild Blues. Blues made a switch in goal going into last game and got the win. What is your take on what happens tonight? Yeah, I think I was not expecting the Blues to come out. Like I guess I just underrated them in the regular season. Wasn't Maybe I just wasn't really paying enough attention and that's on me. But the Wild just seemed like that fun team that was going to take their opportunity and run with it. So I was wrong on that one. I think the Blues just finish it off tonight. Shayna. I think this goes seven. Um, I feel like this, the, no, like Kane's been saying that's six. That's over. We're done here. I think the wild they're going to win. And I think the game seven, I really couldn't tell you who will. It's the, the blues have a great offense. Their defense is super suspect as it is. And then all the injuries making it worse. The wild, like the thing is like, you see if the Joel Erickson line gets shut down when they're matched up against Ryan O'Reilly, like, you know, Ryan O'Reilly's line has been able to manage that. Kirill Kaprizov is having a great postseason. He's doing everything he can. The line that I'm watching going, you've got to get something from. And if you do, I think that they'll be in good shape is the Kevin Fiala line. It's, it's a big off season for Kevin mm-hmm. Fiala, mm-hmm. whether it's with the wild or with somebody else, he's looking for a payday and everybody it's not, it's what have you done for me lately? That's going to be so influential. And what have you done for me when it counts the most? And he has not played at the level that he did all season. And if he can, figure out a way to, you know, get it going. The other thing is Minnesota has another goaltender right there. Yep. Waiting that if they feel that flurry can't do it or that the blues have figured them out, it's totally possible. They go camp tonight. And I think, but the drama he's been, he hasn't, he's been on the bench for like 12 days now. I know, but I just feel like, look, that's a, you know, that's a guy that's been on the team for a while. That is such a team guy. Like, I I do wonder if that has any influence and he was playing better down the stretch. He was, but it's, it's, he's now he's rusty. So it's like, do you start flurry? And if anything goes wrong, you toss Talbot in. Thank you, Kona. Do you like it, it? It's so tough. I wouldn't even know what to do. I think maybe you would have gone with Talbot a little bit earlier just to have that mix. But we know how it works with teams with tandems. Like they, 
they pick one in the playoffs usually and that's that I'm really interested if they can pull it together because this is the year to do it for Minnesota. We talked about Florida. Yep. These two teams are facing cap crunches next year. They're not going to be able to put together this bit of a roster unless they can really find those like entry level and cheap deals. Yep. Yep. Well, that's going to be another possible closeout. Another, we have all the possible closeout tonight's tonight. And these teams better freaking deliver. I'm just saying, yeah, I need seriously. some entertaining hockey, but we've touched on this series a little bit. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm surprised at where we are, but tonight Toronto goes in with a three, two series lead over Tampa. They can close it out. I thought that Toronto showed a major step in terms of character and expecting to win and not hoping to win in the way that they came back in that last game and took on this series lead. The drama of the passion is real. Sarah, Tampa, Toronto, will the grizzled, experienced, proven champions dig deep and come out with a win? Or is Toronto finally at their time? I think it's Toronto's time. Good night. <laughs> Austin has been really, really good. Mitch Marner, good. I, I think this is different. So, Excellent. Shayna? I'm so torn on this one. I know. Last game in Tampa, they put Kalorn and Point and Sorelli against Matthews, and he wasn't able, and Hedman, and he wasn't able to do five on five. Judd Hems are like 10 1 in, the, in Tampa Bay's favor. If any team has that level to turn it on when it counts the most, but this series is so different from the last two postseasons. Like we could look at it and be like, if any team knows how to get through this hurdle, at least to force a game seven and get back to Toronto, you would think it's Tampa Bay. But then you look at it and you're like, first of all, there must be some fatigue from two long runs. And on the other hand, this Leafs team is not, the, I'm sorry, this Lightning team is not the same. You know, they, there's a lot of differences and just in the way they've played this series. And Vasilevsky's been fine, but this is not, Con Smythe Vasilevsky. Yep. yep. And, and Campbell has really, I mean, I thought particularly last game, yep. Campbell was exceptional. Yeah. Exceptional. That's a good so I, yeah, it's, I, I didn't expect necessarily that this would come down to goaltending in the way that it has, but here we are. <clears throat> yeah. There is one more game. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of schadenfreude out there, depending on which side of the coin you fall, but the upstart, if you will, Los Angeles Kings have a chance to keep Edmonton from going any deeper in the playoffs and experience they're familiar with by if they can close out this series after taking the last game win in overtime, not only are the Kings kind of ruffling some feathers, Edmonton is going to be without Darnell Nurse, who's been suspended one game for, I don't know what he was thinking with that hit. Didn't even try and disguise it, but he is out for one game for headbutting. Sarah, Edmonton, Los Angeles, you had your eye on this series from before the games even started. Your thoughts? Like, I'm sorry. I've, I don't remember the last time I felt this way about a team. Um, like, I felt negative things about teams' fans, but I just hate this Oilers team. I've hated them since before the playoffs. I think this is a more unlikable team than anybody is talking about. I like Warren Fogle. That's about it. Um, every time... McDavid and Dreisaitl score, they lose. Like, that is the most insane stat. I forget what the exact stat is. Like, the five game, the last five or six games they've played where they've scored, the Oilers lose. What the hell is that? That and Kane and everything around it, I, I, I am never rooting for anybody, but I do think the Kings are, like, the likable underdog of this round one. 
Shayna, who wins tonight? Right. I oh, here we up go. That, I, I, that you sent us, uh, courtesy of Sportsnet Stats, we got the Oilers have now lost five straight playoff games when Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl each score in the same contest. Like, <laughs> how is that? <laughs> yeah. No, like, it's, you know, the Kings, I like, it's interesting, like, we talked about Philip Deneau so much last postseason, and he's doing it again. He's very good, and they're managing without Victor Arvidsson. It's such a young blue line. And then you still have Anze Kopitar. And Jonathan Quick, you know, a lot of these games, you're seeing vintage Jonathan Quick. Yes. Uh, you're right about the Oilers being unlikable. I like McDavid. I want to see him do well. And I think it's entertaining for all of us if he moves on in the postseason. And I think if we get a battle of Alberta, that's entertaining. Especially without, I don't like Drew Doughty at all for a million reasons, but a Kachuk versus Doughty matchup would have been exciting if we got that for Calgary LA. But I still think there's potential there in that series, especially seeing how both teams have played in the playoffs so far. But I don't like Duncan Keith. Not yeah. really a Mike Smith guy. Yeah. I do not like Evander Kane by any stretch of the <laughs> word, as I've made that abundantly clear. And I don't like Ken Holland as general manager because yeah. it goes all the way up the chain. For it sure. goes <laughs> all the way. I think I like the, the changes Jay uh, that Woodcroft has put in. I think that there's there's been like actual improvement. And generally, I like Darnell Nurse's game too. I think that headbutt was just absolutely stupid. Um, this is what we keep talking about: keeping your cool when the pressure rises. Because think about it, if and there was no call on the play, if I remember correctly, right? Like imagine LA started that third period with a power play. That would have been a different story. The thing that I like in LA's favor is they were the better team last game, and then the Oilers stormed back in that third period. They could have taken every you know every momentum swing on home ice and won that game, and instead it was the Kings sealing it. So while they did fall apart, they did manage their composure, and you see on that game winner. Duncan Keith, I don't know what you're doing. Evander Kane blows a tire. It's like exactly the collapse I want to see. And I don't know. I'm just having a little bit of, a little bit of fun with it. So I, I do want to see like what can, what can happen from here. This is like, well, Dallas, Calgary, were like, get the series over with. This is the one I'm like, if you want to give me seven, I'll take it. Yeah. But the spice of LA uh, wins tonight will just be perfect. Yeah. Well, four games tonight. We aren't sure how many more games of any of these four series we will see. So take it in. We will, of course, be back um, to recap the outcome and our joy or pain, depending on what happens. Um, but that takes us to how we love to wrap up every episode. And that is with Fuck, Mary Kill. We love to crowdsource these. We got some awesome nominations and we're going to work through them over the episode. So keep them coming to us. You can Tweet them to us at two underscore much underscore man. Um, but this episode's fuck Mary Kill comes from Alex, longtime friend of the pod at Aprich61. Shane, I'm gonna start with you. Fuck Mary Kill, Boston's perfection line, the Rangers kid line, or Carolina's SAT or SAT line. And as you go through them, tell our listeners if they're not 100% familiar already. Who's on these lines as we start? So the sat line for Carolina, that is Svechnikov, Aho, Teravainen? Yes. Okay. Um, and then the perfection line we talked about, we got Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand, and the kid line for the Rangers is Philip Heedle, Alexi Lafreniere, and Capo Caco. So I am going to marry the uh, Carolina's line. I love that combination. I think that everybody looks at star power around the league and they don't give players like Aho, Teravine, and, and Svechnikov enough credit. I think Aho, everyone has finally realized, is not as underrated. He's a very good player. It's like acknowledged. He's a very good two-way center around the league. Plays top caliber minutes. Like, everything is good there. Uh, Svechnikov is going to be a star. Such a talented player. 
and Teravainen is criminally underrated forever. You know, his efforts on both ends of the ice in all situations. Aho Teravainen is a combination of one of my power kill any day of the week. So I'm going to marry that line. And I also like that when they have that line put together, it's not like the rest of the lineup sinks. And I think that's super important because they have, you know, some strength up and down their lineup. And rightfully, you know, it's been broken up at times too, but I will marry that line. I will fuck the perfection line because it is perfect. Everything is great, oh. wonderful about it. They, like I, you have Bergeron, who's having a Selkie caliber year this year. He is unbelievable what he's doing. And it's not just the name association. Like legitimately, he is playing that well. Bergeron, I, I'm sorry, Martian, when he can hone in that pest attitude that he has and not cross the line, which he can do, he's dynamic. And Pashnok, the fashion, the personality, the level of play, everything there is perfect. But I don't want to marry that because, again, everything collapses below them when they're together. So I'm sorry. Like, you know, it's fun for now, but I don't want to keep you around for if I'm Boston for good reason. And I will kill the kid line. I think the kid line is great. I'd love to see them get more minutes. But I don't think the kid line should be together. I think Lafreniere should be on that top line instead of Frank Petrano. Or Cop should be on the top line and Kako should be on the second line. I think the Rangers aren't giving themselves a, better, a good enough chance to win with the kid line. And I, they don't get the minutes that they should. So I think it's better to disperse it and have better lineup balance than what they actually do. So I'll kill that one. Sarah, fuck, Mary kill your turn. Yeah. I'm going to kill the sat line because Seth Jarvis is my new, I guess, Svechnikov in that situation. I'm liking Svechnikov's new role as kind of a heavy hitter. I think um, that's being underrated when we're talking about his lack of scoring. So I think I like that he can serve several purposes and we're letting Jarvis have his little happy-go-lucky 20-year-old playoff run. Um, that's pretty cute. And that is a good storyline for me. And it's all about what I can write about. I'm going to kill the, hmm, the perfection line because I want Jake DeBrusque up there. I, I love to see Jake DeBrusque score playoff goals. It is the most delightful thing. Um, I, I like all the kids up there, I guess. What can, what can you say? Um, and I will fuck, speaking of, yeah, I will fuck the kids. Um, <laughs> the kid line, um, that has potential. I think we've been waiting to see a few of those guys break out and I, it's exciting to maybe have it happening. Well, I will marry the perfection line because I think we're seeing the waning moments of the perfection line and you just kind of got to honor all that they've done. And it's one of those we're going to look back and realize we were sitting there watching this line for this time. And did we really appreciate it the way we did? So I'm going to be all nostalgic with my choice there. Um, I'm going to fuck the sat line because they're young and fun, right? So that's what you want in a partner, but <laughs> Again, as we've talked about, like maybe it's not where we want to commit just yet. We might want to optimize that. And then I'm going straight results with the kid line and that's why I'm going to kill him. So yeah, that's there fair. we go. Definitely dance fair. All right. Well, that is our episode, my friends. Um, once again, we love to do those fuck, Mary kills. So send them into us on Twitter. As always, you can follow us at two underscore much underscore man. You can find our show wherever you take in podcasts both on our feed and most humbling and exciting for all of us on the Libertard and Friends feed. We just are so honored to be there. Thank you all for welcoming us so much. My friends, Sarah and Shana, did I miss anything? We got it all. I think we got it all. And we'll be back. We're still, look at us. 
We're living the dream. Living the dream. We're gonna slowly we're gonna slowly ease Shane into earlier and earlier recording. It's not fucking happening. We're doing a late night one. We are doing a late night one. I want it like I we don't have to do it if they're like a 10:30 start or something like that, but like a 9:30 game or oh yeah, for sure. I feel like after that, let's do it. You guys are gonna see me like at my at my best. One in the morning is when I come alive. Like, let's go. And the listeners can vote on if they like the morning or the night versions of us better. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Well, until next time, my friends, we appreciate you all so much. Thanks for following along. Thanks for listening along. And until we talk again, be kind to each other. Love you. Oh, bye.